through the neutral zone. Comes Connor McDavid. Double team. Got it back. Rear shot. Score. What a beautiful move. Deep backhand. Went back to the forehand. And welcome back, Connor. His sixth goal of the season is a work of art. Robbie, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. Ladies and gentlemen, Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chet. A gritty defensive team? Is that really the Edmonton Oilers? I'm not so sure. We'll talk about that tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 606 and... I can tell you this, the Oilers are a team with outstanding goaltending, especially recently Cam Talbot, the NHL's first star of the week. And a pretty good trend for Talbot if you go back to the middle of December. Do you think he's going to be able to keep it up? That'll be part of our conversation tonight. And, of course, you can jump in 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. In a couple of minutes, you'll hear from Cam Talbot, head coach Todd McClellan. We'll talk a little bit about some of the changes that have happened to the Oilers' lineup and mentality over the last couple of weeks. Patrick Maroon comments as well. Hey, the big man has four points in three games since being acquired in a trade from the Anaheim Ducks. Plus, the U of A Golden Bears we usually don't say this at this time of year, are not Canada West hockey champions. We'll find out what happened in Saskatoon over the weekend. Head coach Serge Lajoie will join us. One of the greats of all time retiring today, Peyton Manning hanging him up. Well, I fought a good fight. I finished my football race. And after 18 years, it's time. God bless all of you. And God bless football. The Bronco and former Colt retiring today. We'll talk about that throughout the program. And Henry Burris, Ottawa Red Blacks quarterback, will uh, chime in on what he thinks of Manning's lasting impact on the game of football. Plus, the Heritage Classic is coming back in Winnipeg, October 22nd, 23rd, the first day, an alumni game between the Oilers and the Jets greats. And then the current editions of the teams will go at it on Sunday, October 23rd. Don't forget the Heritage Classic, all this outdoor stuff, started in Edmonton back in November of 2003. That game between the Oilers and the Canadians at Commonwealth Stadium. Fernando Pisani played in that game. He will share some memories coming up later tonight. All right, thank you so much for tuning in. Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer this evening. Kellen, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you too, Reed. What an action-packed weekend of just sports all around and just, then the big announcement today from Peyton, Just right? all around sports. I like uh, all sound, around sounded sporting like you had excitement. something more specific and then you just Kind of, kind of trailed off. But that, that, that's okay. Look, uh, the Oilers have won uh, four of their last five. The, they are not going to make the playoffs, just for the few of you that are still holding out hope. Uh, I, I want to talk today, as we move along, about the potential impact of, of playing well down the stretch here, if they are able to continue 
doing what they've been doing. And and let's be honest here, they've they've really o- only done it for six, seven games. Um, this certainly the tail end of that seven game winless skid. They had that two one loss in L A. They had the two one uh, overtime loss against the Anaheim Ducks, and then they've won four or five uh, since then. And except for Columbus, uh, they've been keeping the goals against down. So that's positive. Will they be able to keep it up? That's relevant question number one, and, and, and we'll get into some of the details of that. And if they do keep it up, does it matter come October whatever when the puck drops? Because we've been down this road before. Um, I mean, they, they hung around a little longer than the past couple seasons in terms of at least having an outside shot at the playoffs. I mean, they have this incredibly... I mean, look, they could go undefeated and still not make the playoffs. So let's be realistic here. But what does a good stretch drive mean, if anything? That's part of our discussion. But Cam Talbot certainly, uh, you know, very deserving of of the accolades. He had the shutout against the Flyers. 39 more saves last night against the Winnipeg Jets. He uh, had a 981 save percentage in going 3-0 last week. Up the right-hand side, Perot with party back, center pass. Rich shot to save made on the activating Vermeestrov by Cam Talbot. I think it's more just a confidence thing. I mean, you never really lose the technical side of it. It's just when you get that confidence rolling and you start to feel good and uh, being able to play a little bit more consistently, you just kind of get in a groove a little bit and uh, you get to carry that forward when uh, when you're kind of on that roll. Here's Gagne down the middle, heading for the net. Rich shot save, rebound, and somehow kept out by Cam Talbot. A lunging stop with the this might be the best I felt in my career so far. So, um, as far as even last year when I was uh, playing that playing that stretch when Hank went down, and I think that I'm more comfortable, and more confident now than I even was then. Michael makes a play, though spinning, dishing off of Vander Kane, a shot as he came in, and a glove save made by Cam Talbot, who looks awfully composed between the pipes again. You need somebody solid back there, somebody that exudes confidence and, and can get the job done, and certainly Cam's been that for, for us for a long, long time now, and we couldn't be happier for him and happier for us because it's, uh, it's a real important position. He's playing it very well right now. Well, there's no doubt about that. I mean, for the season, for the season, he's up to a 919 save percentage in 45 appearances. The league average is, is 916, so he's pushed above the league average. Since December 14th, which was the final game of that six-game winning streak the Oilers had, remember they won five games in a row at home. Anders Nilsson started all of them. He allowed five goals when they beat the Rangers 7-5 on Glenn Sather night on December 11th. They went on the road, and Talbot out-and-out stole a game in Boston in overtime. And since then... That's a 32-game stretch. It's a 9.31 save percentage for Talbot. That's over 32 games. That's that's not really a small sample size anymore. And uh, remember last season for the New York Rangers, he wound up playing 36 games, and he had a 9.26 save percentage. So, you know, comparable uh, comparable numbers there. He didn't start the season great. He, uh, he was able to recover this year, especially from that bad game against the Calgary Flames, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on because he weighed in on that. But, but Talbot's saying today, probably the best he's ever felt in his career. So we, you've, you've seen here the impact of the goaltending, and you know last year so many debates, well, was that a good goal? Could have he got it? And with Talbot, we're not talking about that. The ones that beat him, beat him. You accept that. Even when he had some games where he gave up a few more, the last homestand, 
being an example of that. You know, a lot of those are, are tap-ins or, or point-blank looks. But, he, but when he's been hot here, he's been stopping those. So the first star of the week, I mean, obvious given, given his record, he only allowed two goals in three games, but the good goaltending stretches back, in my mind, further than that. So I guess now you're sitting there and you're thinking, this has been good goaltending. This has been good goaltending for an extended stretch and, and solid goaltending. He's not he's not out there making spectacular saves and flopping around. I mean, sure, sometimes he does that, but very good positioning, very quiet and, and movement and, and good anticipation. I like all that stuff from Talbot. Certainly Peter Shirelli likes him. He's committed to him. A three-year contract worth $12.5 million. That's going to have a $4.17 million cap hit starting next year for the next three years. So Shirelli believes in Talbot. I guess the question is, do you believe in Talbot? And, and personally, I do. I think he's a good goaltender. I think he's a good athlete. I think he works very hard. I, I think he's worked on the mental side of his game as well. Here is, here is the concern. And the Oilers, as we all know, have been a bad team for a long time. I just want to look at some recent goaltending numbers. In the 11-12 season, Devin Dubnik had a 9-14 save percentage. Decent. In 12-13, in 12-13, that was the lockout season, so they only played in 2013. Get this, Devin Dubnik had a 9-21 save percentage. And the Oilers had a brief flirtation with a playoff spot in a shortened season. So after going 9-21 in 12-13, in 13-14, Devin Dubnik, now clearly the number one guy, LaBarbera's brought in as the backup, Devin Dubnik goes 8-94. He goes from 9-21 to 8-94, and he gets traded for Matt Hendricks. Scrivens and Brzgalov carried the load most of that season. Brzgalov had a 9.08 save percentage. Scrivens had a 9.16. 9.16 that first year with the Oilers. He was here about two-thirds of the season. He, he gets a 9.16. What happened last year? Scrivens drops down to 8.90, and Victor Faust was even worse at 8.88. Now, there were defensive issues, obviously, on all those teams that I've talked about, and there are defensive issues on this team. But having said that, Talbot has still been able to post a 9.31 save percentage since December 14th. Do you think he can keep, maybe not that up, but do you think he can keep up above average goaltending? Because if he can, he's going to give this team a chance to win, especially if the personnel around him continue to get upgraded. And that's obviously another big task for Peter Shirelli ahead. The phone lines are open, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. With the injury to Brandon Davidson, he is likely out long-term. He was getting tests today, looked like a left leg injury. Griffin Reinhardt is up from the farm. And, well, I hope he plays tomorrow because, personally, I don't need to see Nikita Nikitin anymore. 617, back with your thoughts. A little more on Talbot and Patrick Maroon as well. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Mostly off-ice workouts for the Oilers today. Ryan Nugent Hopkins was one of five players on the ice, along with Oscar Clefbaum, who... I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see Clefbaum again this season. 
that's an exciting sign for us. You know, as we lose Davey and, and to see Clef in, in full hockey equipment uh, going through some of the drills, that's, that's something we've all been looking forward to. Uh, never thought it would ever go this long. Now, can he maintain that? Uh, are there going to be any setbacks? Um, that's what the next uh, week to 10 days is for. And if we'd like to get him back before the season's over to get, get some games under his belt and just see where he's at. Uh, let him feel confident in his body heading into the summer so that he can have a real good uh, um, few months and, and a, a, a strong mental approach to training camp coming next year. All right, so uh, we'll keep an eye on Oscar Clefbaum. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I would think by the sounds of it, he's going to play Saturday or Monday. Home game against Arizona Saturday and then Nashville on Monday. Uh, sounds very encouraging for him to come back during the homestand. Five-gamer starts on uh, Saturday against Arizona. Home game against the Sharks tomorrow at Minnesota on Thursday. That's what's coming up for the Oilers. We are hot and heavy into your action furnace Oilers report. Action Furnace is home of the fixed right or it's free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Just a quick look at your uh, scoreboard here. The Maple Leafs lead Buffalo 2 0 after the first period. Bruins up 3 1 on the Panthers late in the first. Lightning 1, Flyers nothing halfway through the game. Still to come tonight, Sharks at Flames. The Capitals take on the Ducks. Big showdown there. That was my uh, preseason Stanley Cup prediction. Matchup. Matchup prediction for the Stanley Cup. Took the Capitals to win. Coyotes and the Avalanche and the Canucks and the Kings are in uh, the late one tonight. Curling, Alberta playing Manitoba 2-1. Third end for Alberta this afternoon. It was the uh, Cooey showdown. Kevin Cooey from Alberta. Jamie Cooey from the Northwest Territories. Alberta win it, uh, uh, wins it 8-7 in 11 ends to improve to 3-1. Uh, and one. We'll keep an eye on the, those scores all evening. The Oil Kings, by the way, play at uh, 7 o'clock tonight. Home game against Saskatoon. The Oil Kings trying to nail down a playoff spot. They have the last one right now in their conference. They're 4 up on Medicine Hat, 7 up on uh, on Saskatoon. You can text us to 630-630. Uh, uh, okay. I, uh, good text coming in. I, I want to read those. Might have to get to them next half hour. But one one of the interesting things about Talbot this season is that, hey, some of you were calling Rob and I after games in October, November, saying we got to get rid of this guy. He's, he's horrible. He was a product of uh, the Rangers being a good team, uh, that he's, he's, he's a backup, that he can't make any saves, that Shirelli goofed up by getting Talbot. I haven't heard a lot of that now. Oh, I'm sure we'll hear it again the next time he has a bad game. And he will have a bad game at some point. But we all know what the low point of his season was. It was back on Halloween. Flames go to work on the forecheck. Sharp angle shot. Score! Banked off Cam Talbot. And that's going to be a hat trick for Michael Froelich with 8.7 to go from the corner a bank shot off cam talbot that just goes back to a confidence thing i was maybe doing a little bit too much or trying to do too much when things weren't going well for myself and putting myself in bad positions and that's when some of those squeakers start to start to roll in and um it happened for a few games there but i was able to work with Swartzy for a couple weeks there and and uh just really try to tighten things up and i think that i've uh been pretty comfortable and solid ever since then. There's not a lot of baseball players that go through the whole season without an error. And, um, you know, it gets magnified when you're a goaltender and, and it happens 
in that situation. But um, he's allowed to make mistakes sometimes. We don't expect him to be perfect. Um, he was still a, a new player in a new organization. We were all trying to figure out how to play at that point, which we still are doing. Uh, but the, uh, the recovery was fine. Uh, he put his nose to the grindstone. I think Dustin Schwartz did a tremendous job with him working on the mental aspect and, and adjusting a few things um, in his game coming to a new organization. And, and together they, uh, Anders Nielsen when he was still here and, and now LB have all worked well together as a group and each of them has improved so we're happy for them. I, I always enjoy Todd McClellan likes to do that because I like to do it too and that's probably about the only thing we have in common because I've never coached an NHL team and then again maybe I'd be good at it who knows <laughs> but uh, but he but he likes to, to compare make comparisons to other sports and you know he often does it sort of to calm criticism down or deflect criticism away from his players which is part of a coach's job you're not going to find a baseball player that doesn't make an error. The thing is with a goaltender, if you make an error, it can cost your team goals and often cost you games. And there was no worse goal that I've seen an Oilers goaltender allow this season at a more critical time than Cam Talbot allowing a goal from behind the icing line to lose a game to your chief rival with whatever it was, 8.7 seconds left. Now, was that the time to write off Cam Talbot? No. Was that the time maybe to play him a little? Yes. And, and yeah, a little less? Yeah. And that's what happened at that time. But Talbot has said a lot of it comes down to confidence and that he has never felt better in his career. And that's saying a lot for the 28-year-old. Text here to 63630 from Namudi. Hey, Reed, just wanted to say one thing. Everyone keeps stressing the defense the Oilers need. Well, let's say we get a number one and a quarterback on the power play. Does that make us a contender for the Stanley Cup? Obviously not. The best defense is offense. I'm not talking about just scoring. I'm talking about the inability of the current Oilers to establish or sustain a check to help take some of the pressure off our back end. How do we address that? I think that's a valid point. It's something I've talked about as well. This has not been a good forechecking team. They're not able to grind other teams down or keep the puck in the opponent's end for long stretches of time. How do the Oilers address that? Well, I think it is being addressed. And Patrick Maroon is a big part of that. And I think that's changed the team a little bit. Has it changed them for the long term, though? And what does some success over the final 14 games of the season ultimately mean? We'll talk about Maroon. We'll talk about the remaining games coming up inside sports on 630 Jet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Jet. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. This is a bit of an aside here, Kellen Kennedy. Is it just me, or was that a particularly tense episode of The Walking Dead last night? I don't know. I didn't see it. I found it quite tense. Really? Yes, I won't give away any spoilers. I know we do have a yeah, few of our 14 listeners who, like me, enjoy The Walking Dead. So if you have it on your PVR, or you're a little bit behind, I don't know. I, f- I found it quite tense. I was nervous while watching it. Then again, I get nervous quite easily. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 6.34. Richard with a text message. You think it's much easier to play with nothing to lose and zero pressure. That is from Richard. Short answer, yes. 
I want to talk more about that here as as we move along because it's it's going to be an interesting finish to the season for the Edmonton Oilers. There are a lot of things that are, are, are certain for next season, like the coach and general manager coming back. And uh, that they're both going to be here, I think, a while, which, which we haven't known about this team in the, uh, in the recent past. Or if we did know it, we had a lot of people saying that they didn't want the people in those positions back. I think we uh, have a pretty good idea which players are going to be back, though there, there probably is going to be a major move or two in the offseason. So that uh, I, that you know leads me to wonder how you all feel about the recent success. I mean, look, winning's always better, and and I believe winning always has a positive effect on teams, on individuals, and it's always helpful in in some form. Having said that, you can find plenty of examples of teams that finished years strongly, and then it didn't carry over to the next season. And we have two examples in the National Hockey League from last year, the Ottawa Senators and the Columbus Blue Jackets, especially Columbus. They had that incredible, what were they, 17-1-1 to end last season, and then they were 0-7 to start this year. So it didn't matter, and they're, they're like the Oilers, well out of the playoffs. So I want, to, I want to get a little bit more into that. But some things have changed about this team. Some things have changed about this team, and I think Cassian is part of it. And I certainly think Patrick Maroon is part of it. Four points in three games as an Oiler since coming over from the Anaheim Ducks. You know, in Anaheim, obviously, we were a big, heavy team, and we we created off our, our strong, our down low play. We, you know, getting pucks deep. We harped on it every game. Get pucks deep, go to work, and that's how you win hockey games. I mean, the LA's. I mean, I mean the Boston's, Anaheim. I mean, those big teams. I mean, that's how you play heavy, and that's how you win hockey games. And, you know, the last few games, you can see it as of late. I mean, guys are buying in, guys are chipping pucks in, guys are going to work, and we're getting ugly goals, and that's how you, that's how you win in this league. I saw Patrick play against us in San Jose numerous times, and most of those nights he played with Perry and Getzlav and was uh, effective like he is right now with uh, Taylor and Leon. Maroon back to dry side of left circle. Feeds Hall around Buffalo center. What timer score? And it's Patrick Maroon again for the Edmonton Oilers. That's two goals and four points in his first three games with Edmonton. I didn't expect to come out to score goals and, you know, getting points right away, but. Uh, you know, it's it's going good right now, so I'm not complaining. And I just got to continue what, I, what I've been doing to uh, be doing, getting those things. And my linemates obviously have a big part in that. You know, we have, I'm playing with two really good linemates. So, uh, you know, I give them credit, too, for my my good start. So, you know, I can clean up some areas. I can be better in certain areas, too. You know, just because I'm scoring goals doesn't mean I'm playing good either. Um, I think... Uh, I can do some things like just defense, you know, turning pucks over, that sort of thing. So, you know, there's improvement in my game too also. And now wide open high slot, a drive and a save. Rebound off the pipe, rebound, score! Patrick Maroon in his first game as an oiler! I think that's where the majority of the goals have been scored. I mean, the last couple of years. I mean, everyone goes to the blue paint, and, you know, that's where you're going to score your goals. Uh, in and around the net, in the goalie's eyes, bounces off you, you know playing that hard-nosed hockey and mucking it up and grinding it down low. And then, I mean, that's how you get your chances. Well, I can say this for Patrick Maroon. 
He knows exactly what his job is. And look, you're probably thinking, well, yeah, of course he does. No, no, that, that's important. Because I, I, I think you, you would probably talk to some NHL players and you would say to them, ideally, what is it you're supposed to do for your team every night? I don't know if all of them would have the correct answer. I don't know if all the guys on the Oilers would have the correct answer, quite frankly, though I think most of them would. So I got to give Patrick Maroon is not fooling himself about who he is. He's a big man and he understands I better play like a big man and make myself big. And if I'm going to score goals, they better be from three feet away with guys draped all over me or because I'm, I'm able to free the puck up for Leon and Hall and then get into a spot where I can take a pass and shoot it or get a rebound. You got to like, you got to hand it to him. You know, he's like, but seriously, he's, you know, he's, he's, He's uh he's he's not a comedian trying to get uh, dramatic roles in movies. He knows he's you know that guy has to know he's the comic relief and embrace it. And Maroon knows he's not the dangler. Oh, I'm with Hall and Drysaddle. I guess I get to uh, I guess I get to be a little fancy. No, you better crash the net, Patrick Maroon. He knows exactly that. Now the Oilers are are not the Anaheim Ducks, and I, and I want to talk about the identity that they're trying to form and where they might be in relation to to actually being that team but first we got brian on the line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. brian thanks for calling hey Rick, doing tonight i'm doing well thank you for calling uh you know i've, I've said it to talk to you about these uh, the oilers uh, in the past and uh again i've said it before i'll say it again I, i'm actually happy with the progression that that they're making that they're they're are they getting the wins? No, they're not getting the wins. But they've lost a lot of one-goal games. They've been close. They're getting closer. Now, the, the thing that I like is that uh, the coach and the GM, they're not going to be I – don't, I don't think they really give a rat's you-know-what as to what draft pick they get. They want to see the team get better. That's the end result. And – by uh, by making the acquisitions that they got, they you know they kept the core pretty much where it was, uh, uh, given that Nugent Hopkins is injured and everything. But uh, I, I I think they're going in the right direction. So let me ask you this, Brian, because clearly you follow the team very closely, and you know right from the day Todd McClellan was hired, May whatever it was, I can't remember the day, but I got to interview him that day, and then I asked him a question about identity later on in the summer, and he gave me the exact same answer, and he said this several times. He wants to build a foundation. Neither he nor Shirelli have ever... Oh, did Brian drop off? Okay. (laughs) Well, hopefully he'll call back, because I wanted to get his thoughts on this. Uh, Neither he nor Shirelli have ever promised playoffs or positioning this year, other than to both say they're disappointed than where they're at, because what they're they're 28th right now, and I think in points percentage they're actually 29th. They're still ahead of Toronto in points and points percentage. Calgary would have a better points percentage, and they play tonight. Um, So I, I guess that's another thing. Is is at least some of an important foundation in place. And and that's what I that's what I'm wondering over the final 14 games of the season given how they have played is that are are you confident now as we bring Brian Bratt back in thanks for calling in 
I mean, I, do you feel that there is a significant portion of the McClellan Shirali Foundation in place, especially if they keep doing what they've done over the last seven games? I, I think they have. I think they've, uh, they've, they're taking the core that was there and the, the useful part of the core. Um, again, is there, are there going to be changes come the draft and, uh, and in, the, in the spring? Uh, yeah, I mean, we'd only be fooling ourselves to say there, there isn't. Given the directions that they're going, though, and with Maroon and, and the other guys that they've acquired, they may not be looking at now losing the significant core players that they were looking at before. Well, I, I still think he trades one of the six million dollar guys. I really think he will. I, you know, I don't, I don't disagree, but, but I think they're going in the right direction to where, I mean, they've got, you know, with Darnell Nurse, with Clefbaum, they've got some good, young, talented defensemen coming up. Now, do they need to go for that big number one or number two or even the, you know, a, a top three defenseman? Sure. Right off the bat, being these guys are developing, and, and given how Nurse has been playing, he's developing a lot faster, I think, than what they even anticipated. Uh, and, you know, do they have a shot at making the playoffs next year? Only time will tell. They can make big acquisitions, and we've seen this with other teams. Uh, you know, they've made big acquisitions, they've traded core players, and it still hasn't happened. You just need that right chemistry. Right now, from what I'm seeing, they've got a nice chemistry starting to develop. Well, and I and I think I, I do think you have to give Shirelli some credit for that, and I know he's been beat up. Uh, for some of the acquisitions, I know a lot of people don't like Korpakoski. I know a lot of people don't like Vitestu. But I think he was trying to build some depth and push guys like Klinkhammer and Gazdick and Nikitin to the farm. Um, I think he knew those guys weren't going to come in and be stars. But this is the thing I'll say about Shirelli. He, he doesn't – I mean, the Oilers were a team of – to, to, to pull a Todd McClellan and make a comparison to other sports, they had a bunch of receivers who could catch long bombs, but they couldn't catch five-yard passes over the middle when the defense took away the long pass. So he's, he's understood here. A maroon doesn't have to be a skilled, fast, beautiful hands type of guy to play with Hall and Dreisaitl because he can complement that line in his own way. And I think that's what Shirelli... I don't think he's going to bring in a team of bruisers. And even though Boston had that reputation, that that Stanley Cup team had some pretty skilled guys, right? But they had the right complement. You know, it's, I mean, uh, the days of the of the enforcer, as we all know, I mean, is gone. Yes. You know, bully hockey... Uh, is, is gone. It'll never come back. I kind of miss it personally, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, heck, I go to YouTube. If I want to see bench clearing brawls and good fights, then I just go to YouTube. But um, you know, it's to to see the. I don't even mind the one nothing or two nothing games. I mean, I still would prefer a high scoring, you know, a higher scoring uh, league. I mean, right now this year, uh, I know at last uh, last I heard. And red, it was going to be potentially the lowest scoring year ever. I'm yep. not sure what the stats are now, but um, 
right now they've got a team that can play both ways. And, you know, to me that's, that's starting to become almost a little bit similar, a small similarity to the Oilers of the 80s. I mean, we saw more 6-5 and 7-6 games, but you still saw a lot of close, low-scoring games back then, too. Now, well, Especially in the playoffs. Pardon me? Especially in the playoffs once it got yeah, down to the nitty-gritty. Absolutely. But even that team proved, even with all the scorers, with all the Hall of Famers, uh, all the offensive firepower, they could win a one nothing game. Well, and yeah, especially later on in the dynasty, yeah, 88-90 for sure. The good thing with Maroon, what I like about Maroon, and you're right, I'm not a big Korpikovsky fan, <laughs> but the, what I like about Maroon is now you've got that big body that can get in front of the net, that can maybe be a, a key component of screening that goalie, uh, you know, during a power play, even during the five-on-five when they've got position in the offensive end. And that, that's a big thing they've been missing, somebody who can get you know, the occasional garbage goal. Yeah, for which he has so far. Brian, thanks for calling, man. I appreciate it. Have a great night. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. All right, got time for uh, Gord here on the line as well. Gord, you're on with Reed. What's up? Hey, how are you doing today? Doing well. Yeah, I just like to give my two cents worth with regards about getting a defense when you're in the off season. Sure. And we've tried this for I don't know how many years. We've tried to bring people in that are supposed to be, uh, you know, superstars and everything like that. And once you come to Edmonton. I don't know, whatever, they get into that losing mode or whatever, and, and they just don't pan out. And I could just look at some of the guys we brought in, Vestoski and the Keating, and even going back to Sheldon Surrey, that, you know, they were really good people and really good defensemen, and then they come here and things kind of go sour. So I think they're better off to just stick with these young guys. There's Brandon Davidson. He looks like an awesome player, and he's going to be really good in the future. And and I would make wholesale changes to get people here that probably don't want to come here if they're top-tier defensemen. They know it's four or five years from actually getting really serious about the playoffs or, you know, Stanley Cup and that. Right. And I don't think we should be jumping in and, and selling a farm on some of our real young talent and our young guns to get a so-called superstar defenseman. One question for you, Gort. Let me ask you about Andre Sekera because he's the one guy who was acquired by by the current manager. Uh, yeah. s- some of the other guys were obviously McTavish and, and, and Tambellini, and clearly Mac D had issues assessing defensemen. Sekera, I think, is overpaid, and he has a long contract. That's what happens in free agency. I do yeah. think as a middle-pairing defenseman, um, he has brought more or less what has been expected. Uh, what, how do you feel about the Sekera edition? Well, you know what? It, it doesn't look too bad out there. I mean, there's a heck of a lot worse than, than the other options out there, but <laughs> I think Darnell Nurse has a big upside, and he's got to give an opportunity to let her roll here. The guy, how old is he, 19, 20? Yeah. Well, Nurse, Davidson, Clefbaum are all going to get opportunities, and clearly they've they've committed to Clefbaum and Davidson with uh, their most recent contracts. Gord, thanks for, for sure. calling. Thank you. All right, 780-496-0063. Pat, you are up after the break. Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Taylor Hall from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Still to come, Fernando Passani remembering the first ever Heritage Classic, Henry Burris, in the next hour as well. By the way, 
Yarmir Yager, an assist tonight. He passes Gordy Howe for third place on the NHL's all-time point list. Quick text message here from Wally who says, Hey, Reed, do you think the Oilers would be in a playoff spot right now if we saw this type of play and effort from day one? Well, I don't, Wally, because they're 13 points out of a playoff spot, and that's seven more wins, and that's, and that's quite a few over the course of a season. And the thing is, a, a lot of the a big reason why a lot of the teams are out of the playoffs is because they can't play at a high level consistency, uh, consistently. And that's been part of the Oilers' problem is they haven't had all success well, with the exception of that six-game winning streak. And even a lot of, especially earlier in the season, how many games did the Oilers play well for 50, 55 minutes and then make a mistake? I mean, I can look back to the first game in Minnesota. Uh, the game in L.A., they wound up losing uh, 4-3. Uh, I mean, you can pick out a lot of games, more so in the first 40 games than the last 27 or whatever it would be, uh, I think. But but the thing is, Wally, I don't think they're capable, or at least they weren't earlier in the season, of, of playing this way consistently. And, and Talbot, you know, had some rough games, and then Nielsen had some rough games. So I, I guess maybe you hope for more. If they can work hard the last 14 games of the season, win or lose, then at least maybe that carries over to next season, that, that they learn something there. Maybe that's the hope, but I still want to talk about that a little bit more. We have Pat on the line, 780-496-0063. Good evening, Pat. Good evening. The floor, you're, the floor is yours, man. Well, the question was, uh, why is it that uh, Bufflin can go and attack our best player and then Two more times, one fall on, one interference behind the net. Why has that happened? The first hit on McDavid should have been addressed. It wasn't. Well, now, guess what happened? Falls on uh, a defenseman. Falls, uh, hits interference, 100% interference behind the net on Taylor Hall. That could have simply been a McDavid injury, the same kind of play. Why is this happening? Why did Davidson get fall on when the guy should have been addressed in the first place? Why? Answer that question. Well, why, why don't you answer it, Pat? You seem pretty passionate about it. Well, simply, I mean, I watched the others win two Stanley Cups in the Northlands, and I know that if somebody touched one of our stars, Dave was on him. Brown was on him. They did it instantly not wait three plays later and nothing even happened last night if you really want to know we were what we were were the friendly giants i thought we had some friendly giants well they're really too friendly as far as i'm concerned all right so what did you think of the game in philadelphia well that was a good call maybe beat him up uh win the game sure that's fine but I didn't see a whole lot of Philadelphia coming after our guys, did we, in that game? We came after them with speed and skill. But they didn't have guys draped all over our stars, did they? Well, Hall was getting abused pretty bad that one time in front of the net, and Cassian jumped in, and well, there was that... in front of the net, that's a different gig. I'm talking behind the net, along the boards, in the defensive zone. How are we getting hit in the defensive zone? How are we get? There's no reason for that. Yeah. 
Well, they do got to get a better forecheck going for sure, Pat. We'll see if they add some of what you want over the summer. I got a break for the news. Gordon, you're up first after the 7 o'clock break. You can also text 630-630. Inside Sports on 630 Chad.